0: My name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. Today, we've got an esteemed chef with us today. All sorts of recognition and fun, although he will only let me introduce him as the founder of Nick Wallace Culinary, Chef Nick Wallace. Thank you so much for being here. I am so looking forward to our chat today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, too. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So you're out of Jackson, Mississippi, and Mm -hmm. you are all things Mississippi, right? It's it's pervasive in everything you've written, every place you've been interviewed. You grew up on a farm in Jackson, close by.
1: Yeah, close by, 20 miles west uh, in Edwards, Mississippi.
0: All right. And you were taught to cook by the side of your grandmothers.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, um, both of those wonderful queens are still here. Um, my uh, One of my grandmothers, uh, her first name is Queen. I
0: saw that. How amazing is that, by the way?
1: Yeah, and she wants to be treated like a queen too, and she got it. Um, And the other one is Miss Linnell, which she's great. She still actually lives on the farm.
0: Wow. Hmm. So, how when did you know that that cooking was what you wanted to do? How did you walk down that path?
1: I mean, I knew cooking. I was good at cooking at a teenager. You know, my teenage years because I had to, you know, cook for my cousins and all. My mom was working two jobs. And that's when we moved to Jackson. So I knew I was gifted and everybody else did around our little circle in the house and close by friends. They knew I, uh, I had a thing for it, um, but I didn't really find my passion until like my mid late like, 20s. Um, and that's, that was after culinary school and everything, because I always knew I was, you know, good at math. I wanted to go to engineering school. You know, it was a whole lot of things I wanted to do. But but I wasn't sure about culinary because honestly I was a, not afraid, but I didn't think it was a place for me in culinary. In the way we didn't, I and mean, we always looked at cooking as a home hobby because I have wonderful chefs. In my opinion, my grandmother is like one of the best chefs I ever known and probably will ever know. Um, Are you but gonna we, tell
0: me which one that is?
1: Yeah, that's Miss Linnell. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, didn't
0: want, I didn't want. I Miss Queen to get mad.
1: She could cook too, but but Miss Linnell is the one that taught me about you know doing you know pickling. Mm-hmm. You know, was I was six to seven years old, and was wondering why my grandmother was kind of burning herself sometimes by dr- dr- you know dropping these full mason jars in this boiling water, and I'm like, what? Why are you going through this? But. On the flip side is her homemade biscuits and her cast iron skillet. I was just wondering, like this peach jelly and jam, you know, are you making this stuff? And she's like, yeah, that that that's sometimes when I burn myself. when making these preserves and all. So, you know, she was she was totally rooted with it. Um, so I don't know if I had that mindset as I was coming up, but I slowly got it, though. You know, it just, it,
0: it, it, until that point, it just kind of never occurred to you that this could be something that you could make a real, if you will, career out of.
1: Yeah, I just did it for a paycheck most of the time. You know, it was a good paycheck. And then when I thought I was taking it serious, I was moving too fast. I thought I was supposed to be a business owner at 19, 20 years old, you know, and I wasn't even ready for that and tried it too. It failed. Um, so I went through the motions and my culinary teacher told me if I really want to find the love, find the passion, start working for um, a hotel group. And she said, I recommend Marriott. She said, it's going to be like boot camp to you. You know, it's going to be just like you going to the army. They're going to teach you how to they're going to teach you how to dress, how to be on time. You know, they're going to teach you about etiquettes as far as at the tables, you know, everything. And I did that for almost 10 years and traveled the world with them, too. That's what really gave me my passion after that. I was ready.
0: So was it the traveling or you know, that kind of structure that Marriott added?
1: It was the structure and it was the the traveling because I got to see a whole nother side of the world. You know, so- I grew up on I grew up on a farm in Mississippi, you know, and coming to Jackson was just like going to Las Vegas and it was just like, you know, twenty-five miles down the road and wasn't, you know, really totally used to a whole lot of things. So if I would have kept that mindset, stayed plugged into Jackson and just kept working for a paycheck, I don't think I would have developed to have the mindset that I do now and how I treat people. And and two, I don't have a lot of fear when now when I'm collaborating with other chefs from other states, you know, I don't have fear when I'm going into a competition. I don't have a whole lot of fear anymore like that. Uh, I'm not a chicken anymore. Like I built up confidence, you know, and now I'm a teacher, I'm a mentor and I'm a listener, you know, and, and I have all those kind of tools, which it taught me, you know? Um, But yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up the travel because actually the next question on my list, sometimes I use my questions, sometimes I don't, but one of the things that I noticed in preparing for this and reading about you and watching videos uh, of you and about you um, was that you talk a lot about how you take Mississippi wherever you go. And it struck me because so many of the chefs that I talk ab- I talk to talk about how travel has really influenced them. And it, it it kind of seems like you influence your travels with your home as opposed to the other way. And I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I appreciate you uh, guiding it just like that, but that's perfect. Yeah, I needed that because... The one thing I've always been trying to do, even before I felt this passion, I was trying to find myself, you know, because, you know, being around in Jackson, to be honest, every African-American that you see that's cooking and all, they're cooking bar food. They're they're throwing together Alfredo pasta They're They're doing, you know, kind of diner food and all. And I honestly don't want to fit into that world. You know, I don't I don't mind cooking that way. But I don't want to go into that world. It's too many. It's too much of that. And I always wanted to add some sophistication to it. So I know I needed those travels. I know me sitting right here reading books all the time, meeting other chefs, getting to know other chefs, going into other chefs, kitchen and staging and all that really taught me. But if I didn't do the travel, I would have been kind of, you know, still kind of behind the time, which sometimes I think Mississippi is because it's a little slower. So I had to go out there and get it and redefine what I am supposed to be. But yet, I got a lot of polishing out there in the world. And I got my butt kicked enough, too, in my earlier <laughs> day that I wanted to come back and kind of regroup. And I have some really, really good, strong friends that's mentors and chefs. That we are open, honest with each other about things. And this started 10, 15 years ago. So now we do competitions, the James Beard dinners and all. We get together like we're in sync now. We're like an orchestra. You know, like I could play the cello like like I've never could, you know. And Mark is over there playing the piano and everything is syncing together. I didn't I didn't actually look at cooking like that before. And it's now I could put together things that I know will work, but I have, I have found my tone in food and most of all the chefs and all that I have on my payroll that works for me, um, and even some of the dishwashers that's now cooks and supervisors and all that kind of stuff there. Cause I like pushing people up. They know the tone of, of how I cook, how I eat. And, and I don't think if you if you don't develop that, it's kind of have the ha- ha- it's hard to have people right next to you that y'all can kind of grow together. Sure. So I'm glad that Marriott taught me how to be a teacher, a, a listener, and a guider and a provider and all those things, because it has to be all in one.
0: Yeah. In one of the interviews, um, I saw that you were talking about how you, know, you have to treat each person differently. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a fan of that. I had a boss who was the opposite of that. A long time ago um a million lives ago and it really that experience taught me you know a lot about how to interact with people and each person needs to be interacted with differently and and it's it's always interesting to hear those stories of where those you know empathies and compassions for other humans come
1: from Hmm. You know? no absolutely i went through it too and and to be honest like i get embarrassed easily you know So I have to make sure that I'm giving my best, no matter if it's my face or my clothing or the way I talk or the way I cook. I get embarrassed very easy. So um, I think that helps me, too, because I don't want to embarrass nobody and I don't want nobody to embarrass me. So by having some of those levels in life that I really respect, I don't go overboard with it. I don't think I have to tear people down to get my point across for people to listen to me you know, I don't have to do that. Like, I think the opposite of that is showing people that you care, you know, get involved with their life, getting involved with people that don't have anything, you know, that, that was the one thing that I started that I believe really took my career off is when I started giving back, you know, I, I opened, I opened up, I did a nonprofit before I even had my own business, you know, it's kind of like I worked, I worked backwards and and two, it got a lot of negative reviews from a lot of my chef colleagues around Mississippi. Bad. It was bad because people didn't, people always gave me the remarks that I didn't deserve it, which is not even their voice to tell anybody who deserves something or not. Because Perfect. the nonprofit is Creativity Kitchen. Ah, same. Okay. Yeah. So, so that one's when been I, pervasive. Yeah. When I started Creativity Kitchen, I was still working. Um, I was working for the Museum of Art, which I did some amazing stuff. Uh, I started this new position in culinary, which was culinary curator, because it, it developed my mind so much when I started writing food menus towards art. You know, every time an exhibit changed, I would write food based on that. So it was a lot of research and development. I used to travel throughout Delta, around Mississippi, just trying to figure out about like, what can I really do? So I started doing these pop-up dinners that was off of the exhibits. And that was one peak of my career that I know put me where I am because I started doing this every third Thursday pop-up. They had all these amazing artists that was there, including myself. I opened up a chef's table inside the kitchen. So people got the chance to hear me talk. I wanted them to go to the exhibits, but I wanted people to come to me too, like open door policy. Let me show you what I do. Let me show you how clean we are. Let me show you the staff. Let me just show you the respect that we give you. And I designed it like that. And 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 after six months, I couldn't feed everybody that was coming to this pop-up every third Thursday. And I called all food trucks that was in the state of Mississippi to be there <laughs> to just feed these folks because... I couldn't keep up. Yeah. Like I can see where that
0: would get crazy popular very quickly.
1: We will. And then we had an outside movie theater. So, I mean, it was three, 4,000 people that was there. And, and I never wanted to dumb down my food that it was like spooning and throwing. So I still had to put all the love and I still had to have all the steps in my food that, and I kept that going. So, if I could only feed 250 people, that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to try to go, you know, overwhelm myself or I can maybe open up a little bit later. So I never, I always did the max about what I could do, but I never, dis, you know, diminished the quality of my food ever, ever. But what I did was I just did it three days. So I did it for three days. So if you couldn't get in it for the first day, come back the next days. And I ran into the weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's so awesome. it was the to To do that, and for me, being a, uh, a you know country boy, farm boy, with nothing but farm tattoos all over him, that came from a poor family, and and everything like that, like I love to tell that story. That the only thing I needed was to develop my mind. That's it. I had everything else I needed because my family gave it to me, you know. But throughout my life, like um, I'm a mama's boy, so my dad wasn't there. So I was single parent and it's only just me and my sister. So I knew I needed to be guided because my mom worked all the time. So I was kind of, uh, me and my sister was just kind of playing off of each other as far as things that we needed to do or experience in life and school and all that. And I hated school, but I was always good at math. So that was the one thing that kept me going through because the teachers always loved that I can, I can you know, I was so good, I was doing algebra you know, at a, at a, at a sixth grade level. Like I was always good at that. And that's the reason why I was great at being a corporate chef at Marriott. So it was certain things that, you know, I like to hear people's story. I love, I love what Creativity Kitchen brings me into schools. I get to see some of the folks that may not well, be, you know, let's fortunate. rewind and
0: tell everybody what Creativity Kitchen does. Yeah.
1: So, Creativity Kitchen um, was started at my middle school that I graduated from. And all I wanted it to be was I uh, come into a school and I change the menu and I just host one of Nick Wallace's meals for lunch for the kids. That's all I wanted it to be at first. And so that they start- could
0: experience the kind of food that you cook.
1: Yep. I Open wanted their to- eyes they- a
0: little bit, let them travel yep. in their own place. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And bring back desserts, you know, do things on a healthy level, because I still had to meet USDA requirements and all that. But yeah, give them that. And and then we, it was guaranteed that you had to buy from a local farm too. So I pulled in all these local farmers. They would come in and speak to the kids. They would bring in all these baskets of fruit and set up a farmer's market while these kids are going through the line to get their trays. And then I wanted it to be done on a Monday. So whatever the kids went through on the weekend, I wanted them to see me for their first day of school just so I could set their week off right. That's awesome. And so it it went great. Six months down the line, the district wanted to call me from their board meeting. (laughs) And they said, look, if you you can't do this for all 13 of the middle schools, we got to stop because people are really wanting this in all their school. And I'm just looking at I'm only one person. So... We did some brainstorming. Um, I started having these district meetings with all the staff every three weeks. And I started training them in one of the biggest schools every three weeks, the menu. And what I would do is after they have that on Mondays, I would get up early and I would try to go to every school. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: Seeing somebody in the school, taking a picture on them, posting a picture, you know, hugging somebody, something. But I can only get to like seven schools. That's the many schools I can get. <laughs> but I try to. But i would just rotate that the next Monday. So I did this for a little two years. A little two years. It got some national attention. I got a chance to uh, uh, meet a lot of people in the White House. Because the chef moved to school was, was uh, designed by Michelle Obama. So I got appointed for being the chef for Mississippi. And it was only a few chefs in there. So it was this chef moved to school, um, um, white house calendar that they had, which is pretty awesome. So I have Did it framed Yeah. I went once. Mm-hmm.
0: How cool is that? So
1: it was, it was, it was, it was a big highlight, man. It was, I knew it wasn't over. I knew it just now getting started at that point, but the only thing I was missing too, um, was pretty much, the, the, the district getting on board and helping with me, just so we can make it easier to put it at every school because a lot of the other districts around Mississippi started knowing about it. So I did put it in a couple schools for their summer programs while Jackson Public Schools was closed. So I got a chance to do that, but I had to slow down on it because I had to think about the for profit. You know, I had to get some money in the bank. To
0: start- <laughs> you got to bankroll the nonprofit. What's yeah. your favorite reaction that from some from one of the kids from one of those schools, one of those meals?
1: Um, probably honestly, the best reaction was when I got it away from the school. Um, so it was it was a Saturday. This was this was probably eight months down the line of creativity kitchen being in the schools. It was a Saturday. I woke up and went to Kroger to, to just grab a, f- a few groceries, and. <clears throat> I walk in Kroger's, go to the produce line, got some leeks, cauliflower, and peppers, and something like that. Went over to the Fresh Bakery area. All I felt was some little shorty ran into me and <laughs> hoped. And I wasn't sure who, but I just put my my arm over their back and started patting them. And actually, was everything OK? And then it was uh, this little kid named Chad. Once he came back and started talking, I was like, yeah, you're Chad from Blackburn. And his parents came over. And his parents said, look, we appreciate you because you have motivated us to be in the kitchen cooking with, you know, their son. And it was just like, thank you. So the parents, like, they all gave me like this big, huge group hug and just saying, like, we appreciate you. But this kid right here at his age is looking up to you, you know, but it's not just him. It's us, too. So they're making veggie pizza, the same thing that they had the the prior week. So, you know, that was probably one of my best moments. And yeah. almost every parent going into a grocery store now has always been that around Jackson, every time I go.
0: That's amazing. That's gotta feel so good. We haven't even talked about, you know, kind of uh, the healthy aspect, the really farm to table aspect of what it is that you do. I mean, obviously you grew up on a farm and so therefore, you know, with your grandmothers and the cooking and everything being from scratch, I mean, it's kind of obvious where it comes from, but you have a really focus on health. Talk
1: to me about how that kind of is pervasive in your diet. Yeah, so I I think it's, it's, you know, it's very conflicting when, you know, people want to talk about healthy, because majority of people think about healthy, they think about maybe disgusting, bland, they think along those lines. But so a lot of the times, though, um, I won't put it in my menus, like at the restaurant and all, I just won't do it.
0: The word healthy.
1: Yeah, you can't. Because they're not going to order it. <laughs> I mean, they're 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 not. And so, I just this is who I am. So every recipe that I write is going to be along those lines. So I don't care what it is. I don't care if we are making fresh pasta. We're just doing like pretty much an Italian. Everything's going to have some type of French technique to it. Um, I don't care if it's a ramen. We're doing ramen night. Whatever we're doing everything is going to have the healthy component to it. And every dish, single dish desserts and everything else is going to have products in Mississippi period. And, and I just look at things being natural too. my, my grandmother didn't use a whole lot of refined sugars either. You know, she cooked, I had this chef um, to um, say something to me a long time ago, and he's an awesome chef too, and nothing to discredit him. So I have, a lot of my techniques and all I have gotten them from my grandmother, like braising and 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 all that. I got it from my grandmother, so it comes natural to me. So I was doing a pig cheek dish, just the face cheek of a pig, and I served it with um, I think it was speckled butter beans from Mississippi. Um, we had like four different pickle components, too. So it was like uh, one was pickled dewberries and something else. I'm trying to remember all it was. It was an amazing dish, though. So I was cooking um, the pig cheeks with orange peels and all, and I was braising them in the oven with carrots and chipolini onions and all this stuff there. So when you start a braise, you're supposed to get it right right then. So once that – once whatever you're cooking, whatever you're braising, is about to go into the pan after you get through sautéing it or whatever you put in your stocks, your wine, whatever you're doing – You have to. That's my daughter. I'm so sorry. That's
0: real life. Uh, That's all right.
1: (laughs) So when you're braising and all, you have to get it right, right then. So when it comes out of that oven, you know, two hours later, three hours later, whatever you're cooking, it's supposed to be on point when you're done. So I had the chef to come over. I said, hey, the pig cheeks are coming out. Can you go ahead and try them with me? And I let him try. And he was like, man, look, how do you get it? Did you have to? keep reseasoning it when you kept, you know, did you stop it out of the oven a couple times or something? And I was like, oh my God, like, you don't do, you don't braise, like... <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> you know? You don't you don't have to come back to reseason and all. So that approach to food, I got from Miss Linnell. Because, you know, you only really have one time to get it right, in her opinion, when it comes down to food. You're either going to screw it up or you're not. You're, all, you're either <laughs> going to overdo it or you're not. You know? So, bold flavors. I have this seasoning that we use in the restaurant and for the catering and all, um, which all the staff and all love it. But it's called Nick's Twenty Six. So I put it on the market. I wanted something to be like my personality in a bottle. So it was the first seasoning's been made with twenty six spices. So Holy think about. Tw-
0: I mean,
1: it's got everything from lemon powder to it's low sodium too, but you wouldn't even know.
0: I don't think I even have twenty six spices in my spice cabinet.
1: Oh, we got
0: to, we got (laughs) to. Maybe I do. It'll be close to that, though. I'm certainly not over it. I bet that's delightful.
1: Yes, you will love it. I'm going to get you some.
0: I'm going to get me some. Yeah. I love it. I think that's amazing. So, I mean, you've got such great stories. Like, I don't even know where to go next. I love all of these stories about these things that, you know, Creativity Kitchen and the chefs that you're working with and the thought behind your food is just so cool. You've gotten such great recognition. I mean, I don't even know about the White House thing, but James Beard dinners and chopped tarantulas on chopped. We got to talk about that. How does that all feel? You know, farm boy from Mississippi.
1: Um, to use your th- words. Th- yeah, I think I no, I'm very, very happy. And to be honest, like my mom is one of my biggest fans, I'm you sure. know, truly, truly, truly one of my biggest fans. But I think um throughout life, I don't know. I, I ask my mom this question all the time. You know, where did all my humbleness come from? You know, my grandfather was definitely very humble, but I don't know as much as I am. And I'm not saying I'm perfect in that world, but um sometimes I have a sometimes I have a hard time to stop. Like I'm on the go all the time. So the one thing that I try to do now is I try to meditate more now and think about some of the accomplishments and all, because it really does feel really good once I sit back and just think about it.
0: Yeah, I am bet.
1: Yeah, and I'm always thinking about other people, too. I'm always doing something. Like, we just had an ice storm. And what did I do? I know I couldn't leave my driveway because I just couldn't. And my neighbors, I have a neighbor. She is. Uh, she just lost her husband. She's, like, right at 90 years old. Oh, I'm so sorry. I cook for, you know, because I know it was something, but it just comes like to my mind, like, who can I do something for? But I'm genuinely like that. Yeah. You know? And so. You I make don't know. me want to get
0: on a plane and come to Mississippi.
1: You you, you, really <laughs> you really should. You really should. And I love to bring people to my table, regardless if we are cooking in mm-hmm. my house, restaurant, or we could just cook at the farm, too.
0: So. What's your favorite dish to teach? You talk a lot about being a teacher. You obviously work a lot with kids. What's the, your kind of go-to starter recipe for somebody?
1: Um, so probably, probably before I get to that number one, I would say anything that's bold and creative. Um, I like, I like to put things that make sense uh, on the plate, but things that you're not used to sing on a plate, especially for somebody from Mississippi that's African-American, because, you know, like I did this dish for um, the stew pot not long ago, and it was basic. I just took uh, some a lamb leg and I deboned it, sous vide it, and then I packed it, um, I braised it, and it's just, and I finished it with smoke. Um, so super easy, very soft texture of the meat, and I served that I serve the lamb like on a bed of like whipped brie, which I bring up to like 113 degrees. And it gets to that point that you can put it in a, um, in a, in a blender and just whisk it. And it comes down. Da- it's, like, it's almost like whipped cream in a way. Okay. So it's smeared on the plate. So the hot lamb is resting um, on the lamb just so you can purposely have a piece of that cheese as you bring up the lamb. But that is served with um, whipped sweet potatoes. And the only thing I like to do with sweet potatoes is add a little salt, a little butter, nothing else. That's on the plate, too. I like to char up some, some type of rutabagas and cauliflower on the plate, just small portions. Carrots have to be there because they have to develop flavors with the lamb. And I like to mix um, <clears throat> harissa with almost making homemade hot sauce. So I take, like, soybean paste. Um, that's been fermented and I just use it and make it almost like I'm making a homemade hot sauce, but it's not powerful, like spicy, but more of like a Mediterranean feel. And I wish I could just let you taste all that together.
0: Me too. That's probably- Everyone yeah. who's listening to this is currently drooling. Just so you know, like they can't even see you describing it, which makes it taste even better, but holy moly.
1: Yeah, it's it's great. But but one of the things that I love to do, especially with a group of people, if we're like doing things, I like to make pasta. So but I like slow food. So I would say we will make pasta. We would hand cut the pasta and we will make bolognese sauce, which I want that bolognese sauce to take at least four or five hours to prepare. And I want four meats in it, too. And I want to cook it in a cast iron dutch oven. Yes, four Beef, pork. Veal, yeah, you could do. I want to do chicken and veal. Chicken and, and sometimes, right. I, sometimes I take chicken out and put goat. All right, goat is really really good in the in the bolognese too. And I think all the meats have levels, almost like your temperature. A- actually, how you put food in, you're supposed to put food in in your refrigerator. Certain things are supposed to go at the bottom. Do you know that that whole system? Uh, what I- what goes?
0: I'm not an expert in it, but from a food safety perspective, I have a general idea of how the commercial walk-in should work.
1: Okay. So what's at the top? Vegetation. So let me, let me tell you how, and this is so crazy, especially with you being white. Um, <laughs> I know, I know you're like, where in the hell are you going with this? So, um, uh, single white female is, is how it stuck in my head at school. All right. Yeah. it it was one of those things it was like single white female so i was like cool so above the s for single is you know all you're ready to eat but your s for swim um your your w your white is for walk and your bottom is for fly your female is for fly (laughs) so single white female and it's like stuck in my brain forever that's been like 20 something years so anyway i tell that story uh, if there's any
0: doubt about what quote we were going to use for the advertising of this podcast that's it right there <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite thing i've ever heard i think that's hilarious
1: cool. yeah
0: and we're i will cool. never forget it
1: yeah it yeah it's it's it's, it's just there that's Take awesome it.
0: all right so advice i always like to ask advice and i know you're going to be full of good stuff farm, you're obviously into, you know, vegetation and all the things, you can garden, can't you?
1: Yes, very much so.
0: All right. Some of us kill a lot of plants along the way. What's your best gardening advice?
1: Um, I would say don't overthink it. Um, I think some people that maybe is getting into that or haven't had a lot of luck, Um, they're probably listening to so many videos or something like that, that they're, <laughs> You have to know your climate too. You have to know like the area you live in is certain things just going to work or may not work or that season. So I would say that, that that research needs to 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 work. But I tell people all the time, just like you need to have a chef as a good friend, but you need to have a farmer too. That's an even better friend. I well, encourage people both to in go. One person. Yeah. Yes, I encourage people to go to farmers market and just and just talk to farmers and all about certain things about pot and soil and all. But I wouldn't overthink it though, because honestly, honestly, my I, I'm I have an eight year old um, daughter. She can she does she can plant herbs. Um, she can plant peppers. She knows how to do it. She only needs a couple things and just her hands and she got it there and do it.
0: I have an eight year old son and he loves to garden. So cool.
1: sounds
0: Very like cool. they are made to be friends.
1: All yeah, right. They so should.
0: advice for people who think I'm a good cook, but I don't know that I can make this a career. What would you tell them?
1: Uh, I would tell them that um, you need to have a little bit more faith, you know, a little bit more confidence in yourself because you're going to need it. Um, if you're a good cook, you're just a good cook. Um, I'm a cook too. And chef and all, is just a title, you know, and I honestly don't like to be called chef Nick Wallace. I like to be called Nick Wallace just because, um, I just don't focus on that one very one plate. I know how to cook very well, but I think any, any career that you make has other attachments that you gotta be good at too. You know, and if I was good at just cooking, And nothing else, you know, I wouldn't be talking to you about going to schools. I wouldn't be talking to you about none of this stuff. I'll be focused on that one plate. And I never wanted to be that that chef that was locked down on that line just chasing tickets all day. You know, I did it for so long in my life and I'm good at it. um, But I just don't want that to be my only life that I do. So have a little confidence. And if you're a good cook, you're a good cook.
0: So speaking of being a good cook, your good cookiness has uh brought you onto Chopped, which yep. I love by the way, when I've got a guest who's, you know, been on TV shows like that, because then that's work. I have to watch the episodes again just for preparation, right? Yeah. You had to cook with tarantulas. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> like spiders, tarantulas. What? How did that go? I'm
1: not a big fan. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not I am mean, a big were you like,
0: are you kidding me?
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> Chris, yeah, Chris Holland, um, one of the chefs that was on that episode with me, he called me yesterday. And he was like, Nick, I'm going to send you some spiders for your birthday. And I was <laughs> like, I, you want the phone call to end? Um, so, um, no, I'm, I'm not a big fan of spiders at all. And when I seen spiders in that can... And then I was starting to you know, be at ease a little bit because, honestly, I didn't know what to expect once you're opening up that box. And then, you you know, you're...
0: Is it really about- real? Like, in that moment you're seeing it, there's no preparation? Like, it's... No. What it's we're right seeing is, is how it goes.
1: Yes. Yes. So, didn't know exactly what to expect um, because once you open up the box, all the chefs are seeing it at the first time. Now, me, what threw me off is... I didn't see the spider in there at first. Now, I think I like two two of the other chefs down, you know, they started calling out spiders at that point. And then my eyes started focusing in where that spider was. Because, you know, when you're on that show, you got Mm-mm. so many kids on your mind be everywhere because I want to think about the next dish. But, you know, I don't know what these ingredients are. So. I honestly flatline at that point because I wasn't sure. Like what, what in the world am I going to do with spiders? I don't, I don't cook with spiders and I really don't want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are
0: your thoughts on, on those, you know, I, I realize that they're doing it for a good TV shock value and obviously it worked because here we are talking about it. Right. But I mean, yeah. would it be a better competition to have kind of less crazy stuff?
1: No, you need the craziness.
0: You need the crazy,
1: even mm-hmm. if it's tarantula's. Yeah, you need the crazy because it, it and to be honest, too, um, if I was a judge and they was prepping me to tell chefs about this, i would be so excited about telling them that. And then then I'm sure I would get a chance to sample this. But the chefs probably don't know because you from the south or something. I mean, if you're not traveling overseas or something, you're probably not dealing with spiders. Probably not. But you know, when I taste, I had to build up enough courage to open up that can. And to <laughs> yeah. Try. I had to. Oh my God. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I tried it, um, I was just hoping nothing moved in there, but I'm like, what can survive in a can? Um, so I tried it. It tastes like cardboard. This is exactly what it tastes like. So. Then I knew it was a flat vessel. Then I could just go any direction. But it's not going to do anything to nothing that I'm going to do other than texture. It's not going to add no kind of value to nothing so other you just than made
0: crunchy hoe cakes.
1: The French hoe cakes. We talked about the hoe cakes too. <laughs> he put them on his menu in New York. <laughs> Did uh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got Nick's favorite hoe cake on there. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> So
0: tell everybody who's listening where they can connect with you and Nick Wallace uh, Culinary and Creativity Kitchen online.
1: So you can connect with me at um, NickWallace.com online and connect with me through my website. Or uh, all of my social media channels are um, Nick Wallace or Nick Wallace Culinary, uh, except Twitter. Twitter is Reflection Chef with no S, just Reflection Chef. Um, you you can. That's go out ahead. of
0: nowhere. Nick yeah, culinary, except everywhere but Twitter, where it's Reflection Chef.
1: Yeah. Um. I had this thing about reflection. This word reflection that I couldn't get it over, you know. And I still have this thing about the word reflection because that's what you know. My dad used to tell me all the time, and then he recently passed too. But he used to tell me that all the time. So I named my uh, Twitter my first account was reflection chef because I always wanted to be a reflection, you know, but the thing about it is it all worked with me, with, with him telling me that day and me not remembering and and putting that to be one of the, 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 the parts about my life that I wanted to do. Cause I always wanted to be remembered, you know, maybe I could be put in a museum once I'm dead and gone or something. But you know, the crazy part about it is I got inducted into the, the the max museum of mississippi like three years ago you know sitting in a museum and i'm alive you know so you know being a reflection is one of the things so yeah anyway i just had to
0: i'm glad i asked yeah so as you know i like to wrap all these episodes up with two truths and a lie so you're going to give us three things about yourself one of which is not true and we're not going to tell them Okay. The, you listeners are going to have to come And talk to me on social media Or on your favorite podcast platform And we will let you know whether you are right or wrong About which of the following facts Is an alternative fact about Chef Nick Wallace
1: <laughs> You ready?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh you're ready now huh? Oh I'm ready <laughs> Which one do you want first?
0: I, no particular order we're not going to tell them Which one's not right
1: Okay, um, truth. Um, I just told you I was good under pressure, huh? Um, So truth is... I've never been married. Um, A lie?
0: (laughs) You can't tell us which one is the lie.
1: No. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm screwing up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but now my favorite episode of Two Truths and a Lie ever. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah. My first thing is yeah. I've never been married. Um, my second thing is. I am six foot four. Uh, my third is. Um. I want to be a model.
0: And you could be. All right. Well, thank Thank you you so much for being on the show today. You are amazing. And I love every single one of your stories. I'm going to go get me some NYX 26, as should everyone else who's listening to this. Thank you for being here. Listeners, thank you for listening. And as always, we'll talk to you soon.